All right, if you have a Bible, please uh, turn with me to Romans chapter 12. We're going to continue our sermon series called The Generosity of God and the Freedom to Live Generously this morning. And uh, just by way of reminder, it's actually the second part of a two-part series. We did the first part of this series in the fall, and we talked about how understanding how, God, how generous God is to us and that he gives us absolutely everything that we have liberates us to be generous with our things or our money. Uh, we could just say generous with our treasures. Um, and now in the spring, we're talking about how understanding the generosity of God helps us to be generous with our time and our talents in ministering to people and being in a, a part of the gospel ministry. We took a survey a few weeks ago. Uh, many of you participated in it. And it showed that about 64% of the congregation knows how God has called them to use spiritual gifts and fulfill roles in ministry. And that's really awesome, actually. That's a great percentage. But at the same time, that shows that 36% of you indicated that maybe you're not sure what God would have you do uh, and maybe not serving. And so uh, what, what, I, what we hope in this time is that those who are serving are, are encouraged and reminded about what we're doing. And then those who aren't would be inspired to jump in and uh, be part of the gospel ministry. Um, also, wanted to clarify one thing. Uh, we talked about a few weeks ago just that we, if you look at how the New Testament writers use the word spiritual gifts, um, we the conventional view is that it means some sort of special ability that God gives you in order to do ministry. And what we were talking about is actually, grammatically, it might be uh, fair to say, maybe even more fair to say that instead of special abilities to do ministry with, but that the spiritual gifts are the actual ministries that we do, the roles in ministry. So the good news is either way you want to look at it, whether it's special abilities to do ministry or a role in ministry that God will empower you for, one way or the other, uh, it's kind of the same thing. And uh, the reason that I think it's important that we think about that is because there are times where there's some sort of ministry role that's open or vacant that somebody needs to fill. And if we don't feel like we're particularly gifted or wired for that, we might not jump in. But sometimes when we take a chance, uh, we see God use us in ways we didn't really expect. All right, let's take a look at Romans 12, 1 through 8. Hear now God's holy, true, and life-giving word. The Apostle Paul writes, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. But to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members of one another. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, The one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. 
This is the word of the Lord. You pray with me. Father, we just want to bow before you and thank you that you would so generously give us gifts. That you would involve us in what is unfolding uh, as far as your plan for your creation. That you would not only know us and love us and redeem us in Christ, but then involve us in other people coming to know and experience your love and mercy. And so now we just pray, Lord, that you would use this time to strengthen us and to encourage us and to equip us to continue to take the gospel to our neighbors and to the nations. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. So by way of reminder, a couple things that we've talked about in the last few weeks. The first week, we're trying to focus on the fact that everybody has a part in ministry. Everybody has a part to play. God calls every one of us to be involved in some way. And then last week, Pastor Michael talked about how we all have a purpose in ministry, and that is building up the body of Christ and as well as taking the gospel to our neighbors and to the nations. And so today we're focusing on how there's a place for every one of us. We have a part, we have a purpose, and everybody has a ministry place as well. Focusing on that God has generously given each of us a place to serve in Jesus' ongoing disciple-making ministry. Okay, And to do that, we're going to talk about two things. Really just want to talk about the Christ-centered or Christ-centered nature of our spiritual gifts. And then we'll talk about the places Jesus made disciples. So the Christ-centeredness of our spiritual gifts and the places where Jesus made disciples. So let's, uh, let's talk about the Christ-centeredness of spiritual gifts. And um, borrowing some language from a guy named Vern Poitras, uh, our gifts are analogous to and subordinate to the ministry of Christ. Okay, that's one of the things to understand about our spiritual gifts. They are analogous to as well as subordinate to the ministry of Christ. Analogous meaning an analogy. So if you know what an analogy is, it's saying that something is like something else. They're not the same, but something is like something else. And so our gifts, our spiritual gifts, uh, are like what Jesus was doing and subordinate to what Jesus was doing. So think of it this way, uh, our gifts correspond to the things that Jesus was doing in his ministry. Everything, all of our spiritual gifts correspond directly to things that Jesus was doing in his ministry. And one of the things, if you think about what Jesus was doing, there's at least two primary things we would want to think about. Uh, one of those things, uh, nothing we do corresponds with, and that is the way that he was living a perfect life. And then died a sinner's death, a wretched death on the cross to pay for our sins. And then through that perfect life, also give us his righteousness. So that through his life, death, burial, and triumphant resurrection, we could, by grace, through faith, receive eternal life. Be forgiven and be declared righteous. That's one thing that he was doing, and we have nothing to do with that. Okay, But the other thing that he was doing on route to the cross was making disciples. Okay. And when we talk about what he was doing and when we talk about the spiritual gifts, what you see is that everything, every single gift that's mentioned in the scriptures does directly correspond to things that Jesus was doing in his disciple making ministry. So look at the gifts that are listed here just in Romans 12. Look at verses six through eight and notice that there's gifts of prophecy, teaching, exhortation, serving, giving, leading, acts of mercy, who does that sound like? 
I mean, all of those together, obviously. See, Jesus encompasses everything that he then distributes to his people to carry out in the here and now. In a different way, of course. We're not divine. We don't have miraculous powers. But if you can see that all of these things are things that Jesus was doing as part of his disciple-making ministry, and now all of these things are still being done through you and I, who are fulfilling roles or who are using our spiritual gifts. And one of the things that Vern Poitras also points out in a book that he wrote is that what's interesting is you can kind of categorize all of the different spiritual gifts into being correlated to one of the three main offices of Christ. Right? When we talk about who Christ is, we talk about him as our prophet, priest, and king. The ultimate prophet who spoke the truth, the ultimate priest who gave and was merciful and laid down his life for us, and then the ultimate king who leads us and rules over us lovingly and benevolently. And if you think about that then, all the gifts that are possible correlate or correspond to those things. We either have speaking gifts or we have serving gifts or we have leading gifts. And if you take any one of them, like again, look at the uh, the ones that are listed here in Romans 12, prophecy, teaching, exhortation, those are gifts that are in line with Jesus' speaking ministry, his prophetic ministry. Or we also see here contributing or giving and acts of mercy. And those line up with his priestly ministry. Okay, and then you have uh, his, or in this text, you have leading uh, with zeal, and that lines up with Jesus as king. And so one way or another, all of these different gifts correspond to Jesus as our prophet, as our priest, as our king. So Vern Poitras says, Jesus Christ is the head of the church and distributor of all gifts. He's distributing who he is and what he was doing in his disciple-making ministry to us. And we all have different parts to play. We all have different functions, as Paul says here in Romans 12, as we read. So whether whatever you're doing, if you're fulfilling some part in ministry, if you're actively seeking to impact people spiritually, if you're making disciples, if you're involved in anything in the church or outside where you're following Christ and pursuing people as a disciple-maker, you are fulfilling Jesus's roles right now he is working through you he's distributed gifts to you so that his ministry of disciple making continues whether it's through speaking or serving or leading it's like we are um wi-fi repeaters you know what a wi-fi repeater is it's like if you if you have wi-fi in your house or something like that and the signal, let's say the signal is coming from the baptismal font here, and it goes about this far over to the pulpit, but we really want to get it all the way out into the parking lot. Well, if it only goes this far, there's not a whole lot you can do. You can buy a booster or extender, and that might extend that signal a little farther. But what a repeater does, a repeater is a little device that you would take to the edge of, edge of, edge of the range of the Wi-Fi, and it picks up that signal, same exact signal, the repeater doesn't generate any signal whatsoever. It takes that same signal and then repeats it and extends it out so it can be reached or be picked up by many more people. You see what I'm saying? And that's what we are. Jesus, the ultimate prophet, priest, and king, has made us repeaters. We are repeating what the words he said and the, the serving that he's doing and the leading that he was doing and all those things. It, it advances or it extends his disciple-making ministry. So if you think about that, 
if that's really what we are, if we are really gospel repeaters, I mean, think about the, the weight of how glorious that is, that we would be involved in that. And that's sometimes what I, I think we struggle with when we're, when we're being called to serve and jump in and do something. We don't realize it's an unbelievably tremendous opportunity or even gift, right? Years back, I got to um, be a production assistant on a couple movies, like major motion picture movies. And um, it was a friend of a friend that got me this job. And here was my job on one of these movies. There was a movie and they had a, there was a car chase scene. Okay, which by the way, they did it like nine miles an hour and then they just speed up the tape. So, little secret. But nonetheless, there, we're coming down the street in Chicago. And so, my job is I had a walkie talkie so I'd know when they were coming. This was my job. I would just tell people, uh, please wait, a car's gonna come by. Okay, you can go. Alright. That was my whole job, right? It was freezing cold. Freezing cold. But I was like out of my gourd excited. Because I'm like, I'm making a movie. I mean, it was like so amazing. I was, couldn't believe I was part of this huge thing that was happening. And even though all my little role was so simple, excuse me, please stand there for a second. You know, that's all I had to do. But I just thought it was like the most sweet and special thing imaginable because I was part of this thing that's so much bigger than me. And then when you think about how you could be excited about that as compared to realizing that what Jesus does when he calls and equips us to be gospel repeaters, that makes us, even if it's a tiny role, part of the greatest rescue story ever. And so whatever we're doing, <laughs> we are part of what he is still doing right now. Advancing the good news of his finished work. And so it, it's important that we see our spiritual gifts as, as corresponding to, as analogous to the things that he was doing. That his disciple-making ministry lives on, continues on, as we seek to fulfill our roles and to use our spiritual gifts. And, and, and everything we do is subordinate to him, too. That's the other part. It's, everything we do is analogous to what he was doing. And then it's also subordinate to, meaning we're under his authority. He's the one in charge. He's the one who is sending us. Which is so interesting because we're, that's another way that we're able to be like Jesus is to be sent under someone else's authority. Jesus himself did not operate on his own authority. Sometimes when you see this in the scriptures, it's like, oh, wait a second. Wow. But even Jesus was not doing things on his own authority. He said it in John 8, 28 and several other places too. But he said things like this. When you have lifted up the son of man, then you will know that I am he and that I do nothing on my own authority. But speak just as the Father taught me. Isn't that amazing? So Jesus, his whole life, his whole ministry, he was, he was in submission to his Father. He was under the authority of his Father, our Father. And then, of course, after he dies on the cross to pay for our sins and triumphantly rises from the grave to prove that God has accepted what Jesus did on our behalf, what does he say at the Great Commission? He says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, which is what we have on the back wall there. So with all of that authority in heaven and on earth, he sends us to make disciples, to be repeaters, what he was doing. Um, he said in John twenty twenty one, he said it this way, as the father has sent me, even so I am sending you. 
And so it's so important that we recognize that, that we see serving as carrying on the disciple-making part of his ministry. As we are speaking the things that he spoke, as we are serving like he served, as we lead the way he led, we are gospel repeaters. And if you think about this, like a, here's a big why. Why, why do we want to be involved in this? It really, if, when your heart is inclined and uh, in love with Christ because somebody has brought that good news to you, and then you heard that good news, you believe that, and that person or someone helped you grow as a Christian. You know, there's a lot of, we probably all know the people who led us to Christ, right? And we probably all know the people who discipled us and helped us grow and get, get used to this Christian life thing. And that's because those people are very special to us because God used them to bring the good news to us and help us learn how to walk with Christ. And so every time we are serving, no matter what we are doing, as we are seeking to make disciples in a whole bunch of different ways, we are doing for others what was done for us. Okay? I mean, it's a sweet, sweet opportunity, whether it's, uh, it's, it's the way we parent or the way we're involved in the church or the way we're involved in the world. And we'll talk about some of those places we can be involved here shortly. But one of the things that we're going to talk about next week, or actually the thing we're going to talk about next week, is that we're empowered to do all these things through the Holy Spirit. That's key, but that's next week, so you've got to come back. Um, but what we want to talk about now for just a little bit longer here is where. So where, where are the places that we should seek to serve, or where are we serving already? And I think it's very interesting, if we just look at Jesus' life, if we just look at the places that where he was making disciples, it really is informative if, we're, if we don't know where to serve. If you're in the 36%, you're not sure what to do, you're looking to jump in, uh, there's three places I think we can look and when we look at Jesus. So one of those places would be worship or when people are gathered for teaching. Because think about this, in, in Matthew 4, in Mark 1, in Luke 4, in John 7, and a whole plethora of other places as well, Jesus would do ministry or he was making disciples when people were gathered for worship. There's so many times in scriptures where he would go to the synagogue on the Sabbath day to teach where everybody was gathered for worship. Or there were other times where he, where a crowd would gather and he would teach them. But one way or another, when there's people gathered around his word, that's an opportunity. That's a place where we can serve. And so obviously one of those places is uh, being part of how the worship service comes together. There's a lot of roles. There's a lot of gifts that need to be uh, um, used to get the worship service off the ground every week. Uh, think about this. I mean, and not only what we're doing here, but also the, the Sunday school as well. Take the whole Sunday morning experience. It's a place where you can plug in. You can teach Sunday school. You could pray either up front here like we have people do, or there's a group that prays during the first service. Uh, you could set up communion. You could be on the music team. You could be on the audio visual team. You could be on the welcome team, which actually needs more people right now. Uh, the welcome team or the parking team. I mean, these are actually really important things. These are not just little things. These are actually huge things because we all know that Jesus welcomed sinners, right? And we're all sinners and we want anybody that comes here to know that they are welcome. We want them here. And so the welcome team is the front line. That's fantastic. Um, worship response team, security team, you name it. There's a whole bunch of ways you can serve to be a part of what happens on a Sunday morning here. And we're going to publish a list of all the different roles and uh, particularly the ones that are open. And maybe that would be a place for you to jump in. 
Think about like worship is where we all come together to receive from God. We receive his grace as we hear from his word and as we sing and all these things. Another place that we see Jesus doing ministry is when he was in community with believers, which at the beginning was was his apostles or the first 12 disciples. Okay, we see uh, lots of different places, Matthew 13 or Mark 4 or Luke 8 or John 13 through 17. It's just Jesus and the disciples or the apostles, the first 12 disciples. So it's in community with other believers that we can serve. I mean, think about this. Was he speaking when he was with them? Absolutely. Was he serving? Yes. In the Gospel of John, we see that's where Jesus puts a towel around his waist, gets down on the floor and washes the feet of the disciples. And of course, he was leading there as well. So so when we think about being in community with other believers, that's a great place to find a, a way to serve. And one of the ways we do that here is through life groups. So maybe some of you might be interested in being a life group leader or a life group apprentice who trains for a while and then learns to be a life group leader. And we've gone from having 18 life groups to 31 life groups in the last few years. And so we've, we need more people. We, we need more leaders to get raised up. But there's other things you can do in life group too. Either if your life group uh, sings a little bit when you're together, maybe you participate in music. Or if there's some food arrangement, my life group takes turns on bringing desserts, but we all know there's that one person that we kind of wish we'd do it every week because what they bring is so good. Um, not that the other stuff isn't fantastic too, but you, you know what I'm saying. Whatever it is, think about this. If everybody in the life group is working to make the community in that life group more authentic, more real, more Christ-centered, more beautiful, that's exactly what it becomes. Okay, so there, there may be a role for you in, in community with other believers as well. And third, the other thing that we see in, in Jesus' ministry is when he was on mission to non-believers or people that were in need. I mean, as he was going from place to place, he was just looking for needs, right? Listen to Matthew nine thirty-five through 38. It says, and Jesus went through all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then, I love this. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. In other words, Jesus said, pray that there would be gospel repeaters. So, then he sent the apostles out in Mark 3. He sent even more people out, 72 people out in uh, Luke chapter 10. And so if you, if you see that, then we recognize that there's a real place to serve right here in different places around the city, as well as around, among the nations. I mean, we prayed for an unreached people group this morning like we do every week, and maybe we would see the need of an unreached people group and, and, and go to the unreached people group as a missionary. Or maybe some of us feel called to start working for one of the many parachurch organizations that are here. Or maybe some of you feel called to go to seminary and be a pastor. Or maybe, who knows? I mean, there's just so many things. Mission is when we're taking the gospel out to the people who don't have it. They don't know it. Or they're in need physically. And we're repeating Jesus' ministry of looking for people who are harassed like sheep without a shepherd and bringing them the good news in word and deed. So whatever it is, 
There's just so many ways that we can be serving. We can be using our gifts, whether it's to help bring Sunday worship together, whether it's to to strengthen the community in our life groups or whether it's to get the gospel out to the people who don't have it. Uh, these are all ways that we are repeating the ministry of Jesus. And if you think about it, like when we're in our worship service, we are receiving grace. When we're in our life groups, we're both giving and receiving grace, right? And that strengthens us so that we can be on mission where it's all give. We don't get grace from the community, from I mean from the city or from the nations. It's all give. So we receive and then we give and receive and then we just give. So here's what's interesting and here's what we have to understand. Anyone who Jesus has saved, he has also sent. Anyone who Jesus has saved, he has also sent and he's distributed himself so that we can play some role, some part at some place in what he was doing in his disciple-making ministry. And he said something that's mind-blowing about this in John 14. In John 14, 12, Jesus says, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do, because I am going to the Father. I'm, I'm sorry, What? How can I do something greater? What is he talking about? He's talking about scope. He's talking about the way in which God is going to, he works in us, he works through us. And Jesus interacted with a certain amount of people, right? But now, through the church, he's reaching the whole world. And so things that we do have an impact far beyond what we would ever imagine. Like little things that we do can have a tremendously bigger impact than we would imagine. He, he, he enables us to do things we could never do without him, without him giving us these gifts. Which really points us to the gospel, right? Because we could never pay for our sins on our own. We could never earn righteousness. But he gives us those things for free. And then he also gives us these gifts, these roles And as we fulfill them, somehow he's telling us that he's going to work through us to do greater things or even impact more people. I'll give you an example because I know that's kind of hard to chew on. In 1970, there was a 19-year-old young man. It's not me. I'm not 65 yet. Um, 19 years old. He's at Sunday school. Just went. He grew up in church. But he hadn't been all that serious about the Lord. Um, He just kind of felt like God is somebody that's there if I need him. But other than that, whatever. And he's at the Sunday school. And there's an ordinary Sunday school teacher teaching an ordinary Sunday school lesson. And the teacher gives this illustration. and And he says, imagine the distance between the earth and the sun, which is 92 or 93 million miles. He says, imagine that distance is represented by a piece of paper. And he just has a little piece of paper. And he says, now, if you were to uh, try to look at the distance between Earth and the next closest star after the sun, then it would be a stack of paper 70 feet high. And then he said, and if you were to measure the diameter of the universe, it would be a stack of paper 310 miles 
So this was a teacher who kind of had a thing for science. But nonetheless, then he said, the galaxy is just a speck of dust in the universe, yet Jesus holds the universe together by the word of his power. And he was quoting from Hebrews 1 there. And then the teacher says this. Now, is this the kind of person you ask into your life to be your assistant? And in that moment, he has said it several times. His whole perspective changed. And he realized that God isn't someone who I just call on when I need. God is the creator and sustainer of all things. And I get to be part of what he's doing. Totally changed his life. And then years later, he would plant a church in New York City called Redeemer Presbyterian Church and write many, many books written by Timothy Keller. And now Tim Keller has... Uh, touched the lives of hundreds of thousands of people all over the world through his books and through his speaking and his ministry. All because a Sunday school teacher showed up and talked about science a little bit. And of course, about Jesus. You know, it's interesting. In the, in the game of hockey, there's a, there's a pretty cool f- aspect of the game of hockey. If you score a goal, you get credit for that goal. But if you pass the puck to that person who scored the goal, you get credit for that goal too, called an an assist. Tim Keller has blessed hundreds of thousands of people through his ministry. But you know what? That Sunday school teacher got the assist. And in that way, that believer has done far greater works than we could ever imagine. And we get to be the same way. Everything we're doing as we are speaking, as we're serving, as we're leading, everything we're doing in the process of disciple making, we're continuing what Jesus did in that way. And he'll use us. And we may not see it until the other side. But one way or another, we can know for sure because of his word that if we're serving, if we're continuing his ministry of disciple-making, he is using us. What could be more significant than that? Let's pray. Father, um, many of us, uh, we know the way in which you have used ordinary people like us. Many of us struggle to think that you would use Ordinary people like us. And Lord, I'm so thankful that your word does not talk about how great we need to be, but how, how we just need to see how great you are. And I pray that you would help us to be gospel repeaters. I pray that you would help us, every one of us, to have a role, to use our spiritual gifts, to be involved in your ongoing prophetic and priestly and kingly disciple-making ministry. All because you have paid our debt. You have sacrificed yourself so that we can be forgiven and be declared righteous on account of nothing we've done, but all because of what you've done. And we praise you forever. In Jesus' name, amen.